remind you of a couple things from last week's sermon. And uh, this is one Change Life series, and the reason for this series is I was praying last year, at the end of the year, God, what is it that we need to see in 2015? And I just, I just felt so deeply moved to see change lives, not just more people sitting on chairs, but to see change lives, see people not just come for a feel-good on a Sunday morning, but have their life changed to, uh, to go, as, as Byron was talking about, to go from that place of where are you, God, to realizing, man, he's, he's always been there. True life change. And uh, it's going to happen one life at a time. So here's my prayer for you. Every one of you in 2015 is that you are instrumental in helping bring true life change to at least one life this year. Too many times we, we, we just we want to change the world and don't realize that God changes the world one life at a time. I know we see people like Billy Graham and we think, oh, Billy Graham reached thousands and tens of thousands. And yeah, but realize it was one life at a time. It might be 10,000 people in a prayer at the, end of the, at the end of the service that are saying, God changed my life, but it's happening one life at a time. And I'm praying that for you this, this year. And, and, and I know some of you, you've already, you've already caught that and said, yes, I want to be used by God to change, to, to, to really see somebody's life change. And so last week we counted. We counted the people that, you know, the sermon last week was about numbers. We counted the numbers that God cares about, the numbers that really matter. And if they, if they matter to God, they should matter to us. And we came up with 817 people. And then I had people come to me after, after service and say, Pastor, my number wasn't high enough. And somebody said, I didn't get mine written down. And, and we, we counted. And we were counting the hurting, the struggling, the lonely, the disconnected, the confused, the broken. Those who are just lost, wandering aimlessly, being devoured by, by the wolves that are out there in our culture and walking in dangerous places and not even knowing it. We counted those and, and we came up with 817 of those kind of people. That, that, uh, that next little slide, please, if you will, Tommy. We came up with 817 of those people that we know personally that, that, that God needs to use us to reach. And if that's really what we want to do and what we want to be, then we need to figure out how to do that. We can't just say, we know these people and God wants, we got to figure out how to do that. So that's where we're at this morning, okay? I want to talk to you about reaching those and, and especially specifically this morning. And I want to talk to you about reaching the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, in case somebody's just listening to the podcast and not checking out the notes on the Sunday's page, you won't think I'm saying the, the nuns from the Catholic Church, okay? We're talking about the N-O-N-E-S, all right? We're gonna talk about reaching the nuns. If this is really your, 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 your passion that God has put this on you and you, you've accepted this challenge that God has given to us to see truly changed lives in 2015, then let's start talking about it. Let's start examining ourselves. Let's start deciding that we're going to start living and talking and being and, and, and reaching in the ways we should that are going to reach the nuns. Let's talk about the nuns. So who are the nuns? The N-O-N-E-S. Who are the nuns? All right. They don't see a reason to claim church affiliation. Here's what's happening. 
In surveys that people are taking, what we're seeing in surveys about religion and those kinds of things, here's what has been happening over the last 10, 15 years, is fewer people are, are checking a particular religion and more people are checking none or nothing really, you know, something like that. They're just saying, well, nothing really, or they're checking nuns. And it's not that there are more people who, who aren't affiliated with the church so much these days as was 20, 30 years ago. But what's happening is they don't see a reason to claim church affiliation. Whereas a lot of 20-somethings and 30-somethings, even if they didn't go to church, they would be filling out a survey, they would see that and they would, they would check where their parents went to church or maybe where they went to church when they were a kid. So, but now, today, there are more and more nuns, more and more people who say, well, there's really not any reason for me to say I'm Baptist because I don't ever go. And so they check none. That's the number that is growing. And uh, for those uh, adults who are 65 years of age and older, 9% of them, almost one in 10 of them. Now think about this. This is, this is that generation that, that grew up in, really, I believe the, the American church's heyday. And one in 10 of them said, I don't have a church. You know, and, and those are the ones that are getting closer to, you know, passing away, right? And they're saying, I don't even have a, I don't even have a pastor to, to preach a last sermon over me. I don't have a church to, to you know, to visit me in the hospital if I get sick. One in 10, but what would you guess would be the number for those between the age of 18 and 29? What would you guess would be the percentage of those who are now checking none? They, they see no purpose, no reason really to claim a church affiliation. What, what, what would you think the number would be? What would you think it would be? Let me tell you this. It's a scary number to me, okay? And here's the number, 32%. Nearly one in three Americans between the ages of 18 and 29, adults under the age of 30, nearly one in three claim no church. They are nuns. They, they, they say, I'm not affiliated with any church whatsoever. About 15 years ago, a survey was done and, and over 20,000 people in North Jefferson County alone said that they were nuns, N-O-N-E-S, not affiliated with any Christian church whatsoever. And that, that's one of the things, if you, you've been here since, uh, since our launch, you've heard me say that over and over, because that's one of the things that has driven us, because, you know, we hear people say, well, we have too many churches in North Jefferson County. No, we don't. There are over 20,000 who say, I'm not affiliated to the Christian church. That means we need more, but we need different churches. I mean, that's one of the things we've been pushing and pushing is, is that we've got to do that because there are those out there like this. And, and, and that was 15 years ago. It's not getting any better. It's getting worse, and that's just North Jefferson County, and, and we reach up into, into Blunt County. We reach over into Walker County. We even reach o over into St. Clair and, and into Shelby County, and people that are, that are attending here. So we reach those. There are over 20,000 people just, just, in that, just in this area, though, that claim to be nuns. And here's another scary statistic with that, is that 88% of those who claim no church affiliation say they are not looking for a religion. Not just, but not even looking for a religion that would fit. You know, about 12% of them say, well, I think I might one day, or, or, or of that 12%, a few say, well, I really would like a religion, but they just don't seem to fit. But 88% said, I'm not even looking for a religion that would fit me. That's where our culture and our society has come from. So how have we gotten, how have we gotten here? 
See, because I, I, I think it's easy for a church to preach on a Sunday morning that this nation has turned its back on God. It's easy for us to point at the stats. It's easy for us to point at the media. It's easy for us to point at, at all the people that are, that are wanting to change the rules and change. It's easy for us to just point at that. But what we really need to do as a church, as his body, is we need to be checking ourselves out and say, wait a minute, how did we get here? Okay, so let me give you the clinical reasons why these people say they are nuns, okay? Here's, here's the clinical reasons right here. The church is too concerned with money and power. That's the one of the top ones. And then the church is focused too much on rules, and the church is too involved in politics. Now, again, it would be really easy for me to stop right here and preach and say, listen, that's not who the church is because, and, and explain to you, you know, why... This is not who they are. It would be easy for us to, you know, go on our Facebook rant this afternoon and say, that's not who the church is. But that's not the point, is it? The point is not what the reality is. The point is the perception. Because have you heard this before? Perception is stronger than reality. It doesn't matter what you said. It matters what they heard. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter uh, what you meant. It matters what they, what they got out of it. And, and no matter, we, we may say, we are none of those things, so praise God, that doesn't matter because that's what they believe. And the reason they believe is because they're not connected to us. They're not hearing the sermons on Sunday. They're not sitting in the small group, uh, small groups that are meeting all over, all over town throughout the week. They're not, they're not listening to me and you say these things. So, so all they've got to go on is what they're hearing everybody else say, say and this is what they hear everybody else say. This, these, these are the perceptions, and the perceptions now are stronger than reality. They say, really, you know what? I don't want to be a part of that. And, and can I tell you something? I, I mean, me personally, Rick Hand, pastor, let me tell you, I don't want to be a part of that either. You know, I, I went, to, uh, went on a uh, missions trip to Ireland, and, and I know you would think, well, Ireland doesn't sound like a place that needs a, a missions trip. While I was there in the hotel we stayed in, we got two news, free newspapers every day. You know, and, uh, and since it were, they were, you know, they speak English there, I didn't have to learn a new language just to read their newspapers. And so I was reading their newspapers, and you know what? Every time I saw a story that had anything to do with the church in Ireland, I mean, there's one big, huge religion denomination in Ireland, and everything you read about that, it is true. That one at the end is very true. It is too involved. Everything was about politics. There was nothing about reaching out in the community. There was nothing about the changes that are being implemented in the community because of the church. And so, you know, I could see if I lived in Ireland today, I could see, wow, yes, I would agree with that. And let me tell you, I don't want to be a part of that. And so that's why our culture today, the nuns, the unchurched, those who didn't grow up in church or had just a little bit of a background in church, they are looking and they say, I don't want to be a part of that because they're hearing that's who we are. Something's got to change. Now, last week I told you about one change that needs to happen. And, and if you weren't here, please listen to the podcast because this was very important. This is very important. We need to change our attitude about church attendance. Now, if you weren't here, you're thinking I'm talking about we need to be here more often. Well, that's not really my point last week, but that, you know, that probably is true for most of us. But that there's something else that needs to change about church attendance. Okay, but today I want to tell you about something else. I think here's one of the underlying reasons. Not the reasons of why that is true, because it's not, but why people think it's true. Why that is the perception, is it's our attitude toward evangelism. The attitude that we have toward how we reach those who need to be reached. Last week we counted 817 broken, struggling, lonely 
you know, disconnected, uh, confused, broken, uh, hurting people. We counted 817 that we knew of and then we were saying, but, but I know this one, this one, this one, and, and they need true life change. They need God in their life. And we, we found all of these people and, and, and the, reason, the reason we haven't reached them yet and we, we're never going to reach them is if, we don't, is if we don't change our attitude toward evangelism because our attitude toward evangelism it, 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 it's, it's kind of not even there anymore because evangelists, I, I, I know in the past and probably you go back, you know, when I, when I first was being raised in church and first in ministry, I would say probably most people would, would say that the problem with the church and evangelism is they are too heavy handed. They're just beating people over the head and they're saying, you know, this and this and this, but that's not the case anymore. That is not the problem with the church anymore. To me, the problem with the church is in our evangelism, we've just kind of gone to sleep. Let me, let me explain to you what I mean, okay? First of all, three, three things, three things here. Three things are our attitude toward evangelism in today's society. First is drive-by evangelism. I, I think if I take a, an example from yesterday, yesteryear, way back, you could probably get this. When I was a kid, I loved those little chick tracks. Now, some of you don't know what those are, okay? But these little tracks, I mean, they, were like, they were like religious cartoon books, only about this big, flip through them. I used to love when they'd come out of a new one of those, you know? And some of them would scare you to death, you know? Because, you know, the, yeah, in the last couple of weeks, I've heard, uh, I've heard the term turn or burn twice, you know? And I was like, yeah, that's kind of the way these were, you know, turn or burn, you know? If you don't turn, you're gonna burn in hell, you know? Oh, they'd scare you to death sometimes. Really like those little things. And you'd see these just laid out everywhere, you know, and, and you'd go into the post office, there would be one, you know, this is your life. That was my favorite, by the way, if any of you remember that one. If Ask me, I'll tell you the story. It was really pretty cool. Yeah, scared me to death though, you know, because I was, I was like, God's recording everything I do, you know, and all this, it's scary to death. And, and, and all these things be laid out there and, and, and people would lay those out like, now I've evangelized because I've left a track. Now I've evangelized because I've left some literature you know, now I've evangelized, but you know, there are people that love to find things like that and throw them away so that nobody else reads them. You know, so you don't know that you evangelize anybody. You just kind of laid it there. But listen, thank God for the people that, that printed tracts. Thank God for the Gideons who leave Bibles in places that you and I will never go because, let me tell you, I know people that have gotten saved because they, they just got to the end of their rope and, and, and they found a Gideon Bible and, and God used that moment but with some other things that have been planted in their life. But... Let me remind you that Jesus did not commission literature to be printed for evangelism. When he left this world, when he left this earth, as he, as he was about to ascend and go back to the heavens, he didn't say, now, 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 disciples, let me tell you, go out there and find ways to print all the literature, print as many copies as you can of everything that I've said, and that is the way we're going to evangelize the world. That is not what he said. He did not commission literature. You know what? He didn't commission music either. He didn't say go out and, and, and record all these CDs because I know a lot of people, they, they, you know, they hear somebody that's struggling and they say, oh, let me tell you about a group. You need to go and get some music and listen to that and it will just change your life. Jesus did. Listen, these are all tools, tracks and, and, and even Bibles. Yeah, the Bible, it's important. It is, it is, it is of utmost importance to us. But he did not commission literature or, or things that we could create and put in people's hand and then walk away. He didn't commission those things in that way. He commissioned us. He sent us, there, Matthew 28, 19, 20. We call it the great commission. And nowhere does he say, I want you to write stuff and I want you to record stuff and I want you to build stuff. He says, I'm sending you into the world. 
Man, what this world needs is, is, is not another CD. What this world needs is, you know, is not another track. What this world needs is one more Christian to step back into the middle of their life and say, let me tell you something. I too was hurting. I was struggling. I was lonely. I know what it's like to be disconnected. I know what it's like to be confused. I know what it's like to have a, a broken home, a broken life, a broken marriage, broken finances, broken vocation, broken, you know, whatever. I know what it's like, but I know somebody that can help. And that's what he called us to do and be. He called us that for, because here's the danger. Think about it. If we're not out there talking, then the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, have no choice but to listen to the only ones who are talking. And if we're not talking, then they're listening to the unchurched, their friends, and they're listening to the media say whatever they want to say about us until we're out there in the middle of people's lives as Christians. As Christians, okay. And because and, and this leads real well into the second one because I know what, this is a big thing these days and it's called lifestyle evangelism, okay. And, and let me just say, this is, this is something that I've pushed a lot in the past as well lifestyle evangelism because I, I think one of the reasons I pushed it is because I did see a lot of people who were heavy-handed with the word and want to tell everybody here's where you're messing up and here's why you're going to hell and here's why all of this and God hates you I mean that's that's what most nuns believe in ONES they believe that we think God hates them no wonder they don't want to be a part these nuns don't want to claim a church affiliation or religious affiliation they don't want to be a part of of, of something that hates them and so I, I've, re, I've really promoted lifestyle evangelism, but, but, but here's the problem with lifestyle evangelism. It's, it's kind of like the pendulum swung back the other way. It's kind of like we were, we were so, uh, and I'm, I'm talking about the church. I'm not talking about necessarily me or necessarily you, but we as the church, we were so on, on people, in their faces, and, and making them feel bad about how, how bad they are, you know? And so then all of a sudden the pendulum has swung way over here and now we're in lifestyle evangelism. And, and this, is, this is kind of a, a little bit of a definition of lifestyle evangelism is live as good as you can, talk as good as you can, be as good as you can. And people are going to see that and they're going to say, I need Jesus too. And you know, that normally doesn't happen just quite that simply. Like even with the Gideon Bible, normally there's some other sowing that takes place. There's some other work that goes into that. And so normally just living a good life in front of somebody is not enough for somebody to say, yeah, I want what that guy's got. But you got to put a little something else with that. Uh, I read an article and the link to the article is, uh, is on the Sunday's page. I really, I really dare you to go read it. I read an article just several weeks ago and I had to throw it in here. It is this thought, this is the title of the article. Jesus doesn't need Twitter followers. Yeah, he did. yeah, you know, and, and I think about how, how in, this, in this world today, you know, we, we change words and we, we just mess words up. You know, a few weeks ago I was talking about how I hate words so many times because they become labels and they mean what, 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 what people have experienced with that label, not really what the word means. And you know what, I think we're doing a disservice, a, an, an injustice, and, and we're maybe destroying this word follow because what does follow really mean anymore? I mean, if you follow someone on Twitter, what does that mean? That means that when you open the app and when you scroll down, you will see all of the recent posts of, of those people that you are following. Meaning that you can read it and you can ignore it if you want to. Meaning that you don't even ever have to open it. 
Or you can just open it and post your own stuff and never actually flip down and see, you know, who I've missed this week. And we still call that following. But that's not following yet. A lot of times I think that's what, come on, let me get on your toes here just a little bit. Is that's what Christianity's become for a lot of us. It's like on Sunday morning, we're opening our Twitter app to see if God's got anything for us today on Sunday. What pastor, what are you saying? Well, pastor's talking about reaching uh, the nuns and you know, really, uh, I'm just not into that. So God, you ain't got to read anything for me. I think I'll play trivia crack here while the pastor finishes the sermon today, right? It's almost like that's what Christianity's become. Following Christ is not opening an app every once in a while to see if he's got anything to say. That's not what following is. Jesus doesn't need Twitter followers. He needs true followers of Christ who are walking in. We just sang about freedom and liberty. And do you ever, you ever sing songs like that? Say, oh, yes, it's awesome. And you think, wait a minute, I'm not walking in that. I feel like I'm walking in bondage. I feel like I'm... It, it, God doesn't want you walking it. He wants you to follow him. And if you're following him, you're going to be walking in joy. You're going to be walking in freedom. You're going to be walking in that kind of liberty. He wants that for you. But if you're treating him like a, an app where you just every once in a while check, see if it, and I might follow this, that's not following. Jesus doesn't need those. He, he, you know, if we ever want to see real life change, and listen, you know, listen, I'm really getting on I'm really getting on leaders today. I'm really getting on the church today. I'm, you know, and I hope this is God getting on you and it's not me getting on you. This is about us. Is it? We, if we really want to see true life change, it's got to be more than a visit on Sunday for an hour and 15 minutes. If we want to see true life change, then we've got to look to scriptures like 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 that says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. He's, he's saying always be ready to, if somebody says, why are you so hopeful? Okay, here's where lifestyle evangelism is great. It's when you're, you're living so happy and joyful and, and you're, you're doing the right thing and treating everybody right. And then somebody says, Oh, wow, you know, why, why is it you seem to have so, such hope? Then get, be ready to give an answer. Don't hand them a track. Don't hand them a CD. Be ready to give an answer. They don't want to hear a CD. They don't want to see a track. They, don't want, they want to know why you have hope. Not why somebody else said. Not what somebody else did. You're the one. They want to know why you have hope. And you know, it's really not that hard. Uh, we approach quite a few people about sharing their stories by video and you know, which Byron did and we showed this morning. And we had several say, so well, I, I don't know that I've got anything to share. Are you a changed life? Are you a life that, that something has changed because of your walk with Christ? Then you have something, to, it's not that big a deal to just share, well, I'm hopeful because. Can you fill in the blank? You say, so, so if, while, while I'm getting on to you, I, I, I want you to understand it. It's not that big a deal. All you have to do is fill in the blank. When somebody asks a question, why do you smile all the time? Can you fill in the blank? You know, I got a friend, he says his wife smiles all the time because she's married to him. He said, why wouldn't she smile all the time? But you know, if you were married, married to me, you'd smile all the time too. All you gotta do is fill in the blank. It's so easy. Just fill in the blank. Uh, last, last little evangelism thing is a church evangelism. See, here, here's, and I think this may be one of the ones that is really hurting us more with the nuns than any 
is this church evangel, you know, because our church is better than their church, right? Because we do it right. Everybody else is doing it wrong. Our, you need to come to our church because our church is better than their church. And there's, there's been a lot of that over the last few years. You know, and, and people try to steal other people's members instead of let's go get the 20,000 plus nuns that are out there that don't know Jesus at all. And that's, that's why 2911, we're really focused on that. We're focused on the nuns and the, and the ones we'll preach about next week also. But we're really focused on the nuns because it seems like, yeah, and for the past few decades, we've just really been trying to get people in seats and try, instead of trying to make sure the new people were getting the seats weren't sitting in somebody else's seats last week. Let me say this. I hadn't said this in a while. I want to say it. You need to hear this. If you don't believe me, I'll give you an example. I'll show you how we aren't. But we are not in competition with any church who teaches that the Bible is the Word of God. We're not in competition with them. As a matter of fact, we have sent people. I, I, I told you that just, just the other day. We, we send people. You know, if this is not the place, if 2911 doesn't crank your tractor on Sunday, say, man, I want to be there. If 2911 says, wait a minute, I lose an hour of sleep tonight, but I got to make sure I'm at church tomorrow. If 2911 doesn't make you, then we want to help you find the place that does because you need to be fulfilled in what God has called you to be. We're not in competition with any other church. Here's what, here's what has happened is the nuns have heard. They, they have not seen a uh, true I think maybe lifestyle evangelism like it needs to be because let me tell you this, here's what stats are show. Here's the stats, what stats really show when people are surveyed about their lifestyle evangelism is that they're ending at the good deed and they're not saying, but wait a minute, let me tell you about Jesus. And they're not saying, but, but, but let me point you to something a little bit better than just this good deed. Keep doing the good deed, but go on to the next place. See the nun, here's the thing is the nuns, they're not seeing that. What they're hearing is they're hearing condescending attitudes and judgmental attitudes. And maybe you didn't speak them and you didn't speak them. Maybe I didn't speak them. Maybe this church isn't speaking them. But they're hearing the media say over and over and over, all the church wants to do is tell you why you can't live the way you want to. They want you to live the way they want to. And that's what they're hearing because a lot of us have quit talking about who we are and what God has done in our lives. And so all they can do is believe that the media says we're condescending and we're judgmental. And then when they see us slip and tell a lie, mess up, get angry, and maybe treat a, a waitress like dirt this afternoon after church, come right out of the presence of God and go treat a, a, a waitress like dirt in a restaurant on Sunday afternoon. And you know, it's got to make them think they're no better than we are because here's the thing, it's what they're getting from the media and others is the church thinks they're better than you are or that this church thinks they're better than every other church but let, let me remind you and if you know if you're kind of a newcomer around here and you haven't heard this or you're a first-time attender you need to hear this there are no perfect people in this room I would really expect some spouses to say amen you know are there any perfect husbands in this room Move forward and let's pray for you if you, if you would lie. I, I probably should have said, would all the, li all the wives tell us, is, are there any husbands that are perfect in this room? Because the wives would have told us the truth. I, uh, you know, if I, and I couldn't do it the other way, right? Because if I said, are you husbands? Are there any perfect wives in this room? Probably every husband in this room would have lied just because to get brownie points, right? Uh, so, uh, you know, but if we were to be honest, there are no perfect people in this room. Listen, listen. Uh, 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 let me back, back up because I, I need to back up to my, my scripture. 
Let me back up because I hadn't read. There you go. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. This is God's, I, we're not perfect, okay? God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. There are no perfect people in this church. What the world needs to hear is not, you need God so you can be perfect like me. Because you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. What they need to hear is, I've been where you are. I've been hurting. I've been struggling. I've been so lonely. I wondered, where are you, God? I've been disconnected and had no one to help me. I've been confused. What's going on in my life? And I've been broken. My family's been broken. My marriage has been broken. My finances have been broken. All these broken things that we've had in our lives. And I've wandered in a place where I was being devoured by, uh, devoured by the wolves and, and walking in a place that was dangerous and I didn't even know it. I've been there. But today I can tell you that I'm not perfect, but I'm a changed life. And because I've been there, I can tell you that God can help you where you're at too. That's the message the world needs to hear. They got to quit hearing that we think we're perfect because we, we really don't, do we? But the problem is the world's telling them what we do. And until we start speaking up and letting them know, hey, I'm not perfect, but God sure is helping me with all my imperfections. He's helping me deal with my temptations and he's helping me overcome them and he's helping me be stronger. He's helping me not fall back into some of the stuff that I used to do and he's helping, he's helping me put my marriage back together and he's helping, he's rebuilding my finances and he's, he's giving me a new job. I mean, there's some of you right now, should have said amen right there because you've got new jobs in just the past few weeks. God, is, that's the message this world needs to hear. So, let's, so right here, now go on. How do we reach? Okay, I'll, I'll give you three quick things. I got, I, I got to finish up, hurry, finish right here. here but here's how can we reach the nuns because they are greatly influenced by the non-church goers and the media. How then can we reach them? You've got three things. Your, your granddad, if he was in church, he, he, could go to the, he could go out there and he could say, the Bible says, and you know what, people would have listened he could have said, God says, and the people would listen. You and I, we can't say that anymore. When we tell the world, God said, or the Bible says, that means nothing to them because they don't believe the Bible is the word of a God that has created the universe, da, 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 da. They don't believe that. So you can't start there with them. You have to start where Jesus started. And he started in people's pain. He started in people's troubles. He started in people's problems. Because he healed them. He made things right. And then he told them, now, go sin no more. He taught them, but he reached them right in the middle of their pain. And, and so we don't have that, but we've got these three things that are on the screen right now. And I'll say these as, as quick as I can. These are, and these are the things that, you know, if you, if you like crime dramas, which I do, you know, uh, then, you know, these are the things that, that it legally, you know, these, these are the things that are kind of like the legal basis to prove that someone committed an act. You know, you got to have means, motive, and opportunity. And, 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 and 
they apply here because we're not looking to see what is the proof that you committed an act. What we're looking for is the proof that you can commit an act. If you've got these three things, then you can reach whatever number you put on that piece of paper last week. If you've got these three things, you can commit the act that reaches them. Just like we can prove that a criminal committed an act, we can prove, I can prove if you've got these three things, you can reach these people. You can commit the act. And here, here, the first one is means. Do you have means? Yes. You have means. You have story. Byron is not the only person sitting in this room with story today. You have story. You can say, I was here and God helped me. You have motive. You have motive. Because First of all, you see those people that are hurting and broken and struggling and lonely and disconnected and confused. And, and you see those people. So you, you have the motive because you're watching this. And I hope you're not, you know, like just changing the channel like we do with the news. You know, oh, I can't watch that. You know, that's just, that's just heart-wrenching. You know, you're watching this. And, and the fact also is that you care because these are, these are your, your, your coworkers and your classmates and your best friends and, and your family members. You care about them. So you have motive. And, 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 and let me take that just a little step further because here's, here's probably the truth. Of those 817, when we didn't write down names, we just wrote down that I know three people or I know five people or I know seven people that, that are broken, that are hurting, that are struggling. I, I know this. And of those those, those people that are represented by that number that you wrote on that piece of paper last week. Let me tell you something. There is probably no one else in the world that cares more for those people and their soul and the struggles they're going through than you because you thought about them when God, God laid them on your heart last week. You have more motive than probably any Christian in the world to see them. So you have means, you have motive. Do you have opportunity? I don't have time to go to this scripture, so let's skip the scripture. But I love the story of the Areopagus. Uh, it's in the book of Acts. What, show me, is it Acts 16? Uh, 17, I'm sorry, Acts chapter, okay, so go there so, just so you know. I love this story. Paul, he walks into this group of men who they, they just meet every day and they just, they just argue, discuss, debate and everything. And he says, now guys, I know you guys are just really superstitious, really over-religious. He said, you've even got this altar to an unknown God because you're worried that you've got all these gods. That you serve. Y'all know the Greeks, right? Athens was in Greece. You know all the Greek gods, you know, all those Greek gods. They had all these gods and they had all these temples and all these uh, statues and all these altars. That, and and, and they, then they had this one that they wrote and, uh, to an unknown God in case there was a God that they had not yet met. And he showed, because they were scared, the Greeks, they were scared to death that the gods were going to show up and mess with them, you know. And so they created this one. And Paul said, you're even so nervous. You got one to an unknown God. He said, that's the God I want to tell you about, the one you don't yet know. Okay, look, did Paul have opportunity or did Paul just have an opportunity to create an opportunity? You know, a good criminal doesn't wait for the bank president to leave the front door unlocked all night good criminal figures out a way to get in the bank anyway, all right? And if you want to really accomplish, we're talking about somebody who had, had, had opportunity to do something bad. If you want to have opportunity to do something good, sometimes you have to, like Paul did, create your own opportunity. Create your own opportunity. 
there's somebody, there's somebody out there that needs to be reached. You wrote a number down saying, I know four of them or ten of them or whatever, and they need to create your own opportunity.